Hello, I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. If you're looking for space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. Today, we're going to jump in and talk about something that every parent has experienced, a dysregulated child. It is bananas to me how I can navigate an actual emergency with a level head, but a kid shouting sassy words with the side of slamming doors, that is a thing that will make me lose my ever-loving mind. How do they know how to push our buttons in precisely the right way to get us down on their level, acting like an equally dysregulated child? You guys, it is hard. It is so hard to find calm in the midst of the chaos that is a dysregulated child. When you're in those situations or reflecting back on them, do you ever long to just clear away the clutter of expectations and experience calm even in the midst of chaos? I know I do. To be clear, all children struggle with emotional dysregulation on some level. Emotional dysregulation is just a fancy term that refers to when kids or grown up and all people in between are not able to regulate or appropriately manage their big feelings. How it looks is different for every child. Some kids scream and yell and respond in a very physical manner. Kicking, stomping, slamming doors, throwing things, maybe acting aggressively towards people or property or even their own selves. Maybe they kick their door repeatedly over weeks and months until there are cracks in the doors. Maybe this has happened in my house. Who knows? Some kids whine or cry. They grow limp and they roll around on the floor. Maybe they refuse to put on pants and they lay on the floor like they're in full rigor mortis and you have to literally drag their pants onto their stiff little resistant bodies. Maybe this has also happened in my house. Who could say? Other kids do what I call word vomit. They say a lot of things that are not appropriate or kind, and often they're neither true nor an accurate representation of how that child truly feels. These kids will argue and negotiate and accuse. Maybe they yell things like, you made a promise and you never do what you say. Maybe this has also happened in my house. I can neither confirm nor deny such a thing. Now, there's a vast continuum with behaviors on with one side being typical or developmentally appropriate in a sense. We expect toddlers to have a tantrum when they're hungry or tired or overwhelmed. That is typical toddler behavior. On the other side are behaviors that are atypical or not developmentally appropriate. We do not expect teenagers to throw toddler-style tantrums. A typically developing 16-year-old isn't rolling on the floor and kicking and screaming when they don't get their way. But all along the continuum are a wide range of behaviors that are typical and atypical depending on the child's age and stage of development. So while all of my children are prone to big feelings and all of them struggle at times with emotional dysregulation, a couple of my kids struggle more profoundly, which is a fancy way of saying I have raised little ones who are prone to seasons where they scream and cry for hours. Hours. I've tried all the things, but there are times where I just have to write it out to try to be the steady calm in their storm until it passes. 
and everybody's got two cents on how to control them. I've grown more sure of my instincts over the years, and today I can look in the wild eyes of a dysregulated child and see what they need, even if it's more than I can give. It is a humbling and terrifying thing to realize as a parent. I can't meet my child's needs. I'm not fill-in-the-blank enough. But God, He is always enough. So I dig deep and I do my spirit-empowered best to rise when I can and when I can't. I trust that all the pointing to Jesus will push my children to do the same. I'm careful with how I steward my kids' stories, but I can trace a thin thread back towards a moment when as a young mom I spoke out. Does anyone else ever struggle with this? And what I heard in return was silence. Sometimes silence speak louder than words, and that silence spoke failure. So I made a promise to myself that if I made it to the other side of that storm, I would speak out of the silence and be the voice that I had needed for someone else. Solidarity to the mamas and the dads of spirited children who redefine good days and bad days. I have one spirited kid who's almost an adult, and she is amazing. I would not trade any part of her for the world. Whether your child struggles with typical bouts of emotional dysregulation or they're like my more spirited kids, I'm extending all the solidarity, but also a few practical tips to help you stay connected with your child even when they're dysregulated. Note, this this episode is going to have some practical tips for navigating kids' big feelings, but first and foremost, my intention today is to focus on building connection between you and your child. Maybe someday I'll do a deep dive on strategies for helping kids regulate, so stay tuned. In the years I've taught parenting classes and written parenting resources, I found that most parents are very interested in skipping ahead to the part where they learn how to control their kids' behavior. And I get it. Dysregulated kids are a lot to handle. But before we can learn how to help them manage their big feelings, we have to learn how to stay connected with them in the midst of their big feelings. There's a lot of research out there on attachment and attunement in parenting, and I am not qualified to even begin to present that research to you. But suffice it to say, the ways we interact with and support our children, the ways we show up for them physically and emotionally, the ways we are present with them when they're dysregulated are vitally important to their growth and development. If we can truly connect with our kids and maintain that connection through their big feelings, then we will be in a far better position to help them process those feelings in a healthier and more appropriate way. Because no, breaking doors and refusing to wear pants and shouting rude words is not, in fact, appropriately or healthy. Pray for me, you guys. Okay, so let's get into this. Imagine your child's in a full-blown, dysregulated state. You're probably running late or in public or exhausted from a long day. They tend to time it like that. Have you noticed? So close your eyes and put yourself in that place. What does it look like? What does it sound like? I can remember a time when my daughter was two years old and she had made it to the top of this kids climbing structure at church. My husband, Matt, had just got a job in their children's ministry and we were new to the church. And so I'm wrangling a one and a two-year-old in a new city and community Here's my two-year-old, who's supposed to be helping me make new mom friends, and instead she's at the top, refusing to come down. So Matt had to climb up after her. 
We've all been there, right? Shoving our two large bodies through tiny crawl spaces. Well, my daughter saw him coming and started to cry. There were some no's and tears and yells. And by the time he got to the top, she was yelling, stop, he's hurting me. And just so you know, he was in full view and he was not, in fact, hurting anyone. So this crowd of moms starts to gather and they're whispering and they're pointing. And one was asking, do you know that man? What is he doing to her? And I honestly, I was half tempted to just sneak out with my currently quiet and well-behaved kid. But instead, I spoke up and I reassured them that he was her dad. No, he wasn't hurting her. Yes, she cries like this a lot. Kids do the darndest things. Oh, my goodness. It was humiliating. I remember my heart racing. My palms were sweaty. My ears felt hot and my head felt cloudy and light, but not in a good way. Now, back to your own memory of a time your child was dysregulated. What does it feel like in your own body? Are you calm and centered? Are you tense, agitated, anxious? If you answered calm and centered, then you should be the voice on this podcast because I am surely not there yet. The reality is that when our kids are dysregulated, we often join them in that state. And two dysregulated people are not going to be able to maintain connection or create felt safety. So that's where we begin with your own dysregulation. Here's step one. Stay connected to yourself in the chaos. I just did an entire podcast episode. In fact, my first ever episode on how to stay connected with yourself in the midst of chaos. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and start with episode one. It's been many years since that day that my child had that tantrum all the way down the climber at church. And in those years, I've learned how to better remain grounded and connected with myself in the midst of chaos. I won't recap the entire episode, but I'll quickly review a couple of ways to stay connected to yourself in chaos. First, calm your internal chaos. An essential step in finding your calm is to name how you're feeling physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So ask yourself, how's my body responding? How am I feeling? How is my spirit? Take a moment, give yourself a time out if needed, and find your calm by answering these questions for yourself. Then, ride the wave. The reality is, you have no actual control over your child's emotions and the way they're choosing to, let's say, demonstrate them. Some parenting, quote-unquote, experts will tell you that you're in charge and you're in control, and that's true to a certain extent. But if the goal of your parenting is to control your child's emotions or behaviors, then we likely have very different parenting philosophies. I am a firm believer in teaching my children to manage their own emotions and behaviors. It is slower, it is harder, and it's far less impressive to the observer. But I have seen the work pay off in my two kids who are almost adults. They're highly self-aware and regulated, and we have really deep and connected relationships. So if you're not going to control your child, you have to write out some of their ebbs and flows. Don't judge them by their worst days. We all have them. And don't judge yourself by their worst days either. Some of you here need to hear that again. Don't you dare judge yourself, your parenting, your worth, your love for your child by your child's worst day. Hard pass on that one, friend. But also, don't take their best day and measure all the other days against that either. Enjoy the best day, soak it in, remember it on the bad days, but don't expect every day to be like the best day. Kids will have both good and bad days, just ride the wave. 
this isn't to say you allow them to behave however they want. You can set boundaries and give them space and tools to process their emotions in a way that's congruent with your family's expectation. Which brings me to my next point. It is your child's job to regulate their emotions. It is your job to provide the space and the tools. Now, this obviously needs to take into consideration your child's developmental needs and abilities. Your one-year-old isn't going to just pull themselves together and comply. You're going to need to provide more active space, assess their physical needs, whether or not they're hungry or tired or overstimulated. Assess their emotional needs, whether they're the kind of kid who needs some space and quiet when they're dysregulated, or whether they need your physical presence and comfort. You'll have to take a more active role with your younger child. But remember, you're still not responsible to regulate their emotions. You can only respond in ways that provide space and tools, even if those things are your voice, your touch, and your assistance. By the time your child's in like, I don't know, first grade or so, they should be able to regulate their emotions much more independently. So I'm going to camp out here for a minute. Again, this may look different depending on your family values and expectations, but the principle's the same. When it comes to your big kid and even your teenager, it's their job to regulate their emotions. It's your job to provide the space and tools. I've learned this through experience the hard way. So last summer, my eight-year-old was having full-blown tantrums that lasted an hour and sometimes longer. He was experiencing high levels of anxiety. He'd been through a lot in the middle of a pandemic, among other things. So it was more than just a kid being difficult. He was struggling, and his emotions were overwhelming everybody, himself included. And then I was sitting in therapy, venting about how stressful it all was, how I felt tethered to my child's dramatic mood swings, and how I felt guilty for the ways I was coming to resent it. My therapist looked at me and said kindly, but also very directly, your eight-year-old is fully capable of regulating himself. It's your job to provide the space and the tools. It's his job to use them to regulate. In fact, by always helping him regulate, you're communicating to him that he's not capable. Whew, ouch. By always helping him regulate, I was communicating to him that he's not capable. And y'all, that was it. That was the permission I needed to disconnect from his mood swings and suddenly I was no longer as impacted by them. In fact, I was able to better remain connected with him because I didn't have my own resentment or the crushing pressure to regulate his emotions standing in the way. By removing that tether between his emotions and mine, I was able to rebuild a stronger connection. I could remain empathetic and still hold boundaries. So here's the quick practical tip. I'll quickly share the space and tools part in case it's helpful to any fellow parents of big feelers. First, the space. Our kids can use their rooms or we have this calm down corner. It's nothing fancy. It's just tucked away from the high traffic areas because my kids tend to feed off of anyone in their line of sight. They're like sweet little parasites of all the feelings. And then the tools, stuff to engage their brains like magnetiles or journals. Uh, Rubik's cues are my son's favorite go-to strategy. He loves those things. They've got like a star Star Wars bop it. You get the idea. So stuff to engage their brains and then stuff to engage their senses. Fidget toys, Tic Tacs, Jolly Ranchers, a cozy place to sit. And then finally, some grounding techniques. We practice these when they are calm so they can use them when they're not calm. One of my kids recently brought home a new tool from therapy. 
We've also worked on 54321, which uses all the senses and usually ends with a piece of hard candy. And sometimes they just do some deep breathing. So you've connected with yourself and you've memorized the mantra of it's my child's job to regulate their own emotions. It's my job to give them the space and tools they need. Here's my last tip for connecting with your dysregulated child. Always close the circle. When my kids are dysregulated, it feels like they're sort of spinning around the merry-go-round of emotion. Sometimes it's a one-and-done ride. Other times they circle around and around and around. I'll think the ride is ending and they start right back up again and loop back around the same exact feelings. I don't really know why my kids do this. Maybe the first time around they haven't fully worked through their feelings and they have some leftovers to process on the next cycle. Who knows? But when I'm sure the ride is slowing down, and I say ride in like a metaphorical sense, I'm not trying to minimize what my kids are experiencing. I do have to remind myself often that the feelings they're experiencing are big and scary and often overwhelming. So when I'm sure the ride's slowing down, then I step back in to close the circle. And by that, I mean that I signal an end to that circle with my words and my actions. Sometimes it's a quick hug and a glad to have you back. Other times I'll come into their rooms and I'll sit down next to them so that we're on the same level and I affirm what I know to be true about them. If they lost their temper and hit their sibling, I might tell them that I know them to be such a kind and caring brother or sister and I remind them of how earlier that day they gave their sister a hug when she was crying. I do this to help my child understand that their one poor choice doesn't define them or their relationships. What I try not to do in closing the circle is to lecture my child on their behavior. I'm not perfect, so sometimes I do default into lecture mode, treating this as a teachable moment instead of what I truly want it to be, an opportunity to reconnect with my child. The reality is that the bigger our kids' meltdowns, the deeper is their need for us to reconnect with them. They need to know that we can handle their big feelings and even the poor choices that come along with them at times. Not that we accept those choices or condone them, but that we are not unprepared, shocked, or repulsed by them. Our love is larger than even their largest feelings. It's unmovable, constant, and enduring. Meeting them in that moment of recovery and reminding them of this will help you establish a firm foundation of connection that you can build on. Looking back at that moment in time as a young mom with my two-year-old screaming for help like her dad was kidnapping her instead of bringing her down so we could go home and feed her lunch, I have so much compassion for my younger, overwhelmed self. I didn't really know how to connect with myself, and so I struggled with my own emotional regulation. I felt like I was failing as a mother when I couldn't control my kids' behavior and regulate their emotions. I was pretty good at closing the circle, connecting with my kids was something I always knew how to do intuitively. But without the first two steps, that connection came with so many apologies, dripping with guilt and shame. I have come a long way. I have a long way to go. But I've learned how to find my calm in the midst of chaos, even the chaos that is my four kids with big feelings. Back to my therapist telling me my eight-year-old could regulate his own emotions. So shocker, by empowering him to regulate his emotions, his tantrums resolved pretty quickly. Within weeks, he was calmer, more cooperative, and most importantly, back to feeling more like himself. He's still anxious. He still has big feelings, but he's able to access what he needs to regulate them. 
these principles of connecting with myself, remembering that it's my child's responsibility to regulate their emotions and mine to give them space and tools they need to do so, and closing the circle, they really work for the ages and stages my kids are in. And they've helped me stay calmer and more regulated when my kids are not calm and regulated. I told my son recently that I was so proud of how he was able to self-regulate and asked how he felt about it. And he got this suave little grin and said he was surprised at how well he was doing, like he knew all along and was just waiting for me to catch on. That kid is never a dull moment. It turns out you really can clear away some of the clutter of expectations and experience some calm even in the midst of chaos. It takes some intentionality and maybe some reframing of your own expectations, but the calm you experience is worth it. As we close today's episode, I want to leave you with a small next faithful step forward. It's a breath prayer, which is a prayer that we can say in the rhythms of our breathing, a slow, deep cleansing breath, a calming inhale, and a slow exhale, slowing our hearts and soothing our souls. Here's how it works if you've never done a breath prayer before. I'll prompt you to inhale in and then share a phrase to focus on as you breathe in. Then I'll prompt you to exhale and share a phrase for you to focus on as you breathe out. I'll repeat it a couple of times and then I'd encourage you to practice this breath prayer yourself as you find yourself in need of the reminder. Ready? Inhale, my heart is overwhelmed. Exhale, you, O God, are my refuge and strength. Inhale, my heart is overwhelmed. Exhale, you, O God, are my refuge and strength. Thank you for joining us today for episode two of the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm hopeful it will help you find your calm so you can take faithful steps forward as you connect with your child, even in the midst of their dysregulation. Until next time, you can connect with me on Instagram as Noel C. Guevara. You can also find me at noelcguevara.com. If you found today's tips to be useful and you want some more, head to my website and sign up for my newsletter where I'll share more stories and tips on how to find your calm. I'm grateful to serve as your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together. <laughs>